Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. A um, little background. Hebrews chapter 3 talks about the children of God. Now, he's talking about the, the, the writer of the Hebrews had a foundational thing that he was trying to communicate to the people of God. And that thing is that Jesus, the Son of God, and, and that some of them received as a prophet, but not all of them actually understood his position in the Godhead. He was trying to communicate to them that Jesus was greater than the angels, that Jesus was greater than the prophets, that Jesus was a greater high priest. And so the thematically throughout the, the book of Hebrews, he is proclaiming the superiority of Jesus over all of these others that they may have looked to or worshipped or, or venerated. And so Jesus is over and above. He's the Son of God. He is God. And so uh, it starts out in verse 3, and he's talking about Moses was a builder, but Jesus is of the household of God. So he's not just a builder working in the house of God, but Jesus is the, the creator of it all. Moses was just a builder on a part of God's kingdom, but Jesus created it all. And then he comes back and he starts talking about there were people of God, and, and he challenges the, the believers in this. He said, you know, the the people that had the promise in the Old Testament, they walked for 40 years in the desert with God. They saw God's miracles. They saw his deliverance from, from Egypt. But yet with all the miracles, and, and folks, we need to remember this too. With all the miracles that were displayed, they still became hardened in their hearts. And it says in that passage that because they became hardened and rebelled against God, that God said that he would not allow them to enter into their rest. I just want to say this, folks. Believers, we're not immune to that. You know, we think we've got a better covenant, and we do have a better covenant. But just because we have a, a better covenant doesn't mean that we're immune to the hardening of the heart. Believers become resistant to God. Believers become obstinate. Believers make up in their minds, you know, I've got my salvation, but I am not going to yield this area of my life. I'm not going to give that up. And it's possible in that area of our life to deafen ourselves to the call of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always drawing us deeper. It doesn't matter how much you've experienced. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with the Lord. It doesn't matter if you have oozed miracles out of your pores. If your silvery tongue brought words from the Lord, it's possible to harden your heart and limit what God can do. There's always a deeper that he can take us into. And so we need to guard our hearts and guard our minds and not allow ourselves to slip into apathy or to slip into a place where we feel like that we've seen and accomplished everything. Or to go to a place where we become hardened in our heart and we're not willing to yield things to the Lord. Can I just say this? If God is calling you to something, if God is pointing something out in your life, I can promise you this. It is not to bring harm to you. It is for your good. So anyhow, God promised the Israelites that rebelled against him that they would not enter into his rest. And a generation died in the wilderness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he, it says that he swore that they would not enter into his rest. But let's come on. Then we come on to chapter, chapter 4. Now, it's something that's really interesting and, and just a, a matter of, 
of biblical study or studying the Bible or really studying anything, when you see something's repeated over and over again, there's an emphasis there on purpose. It's not by mistake that it's, it's, it's uh, uh, repeated. And you'll notice in this passage that it speaks about the hardening of the hearts. It speaks about that oath that God made about them not entering into the rest. So I just want to paint that background. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. For this, for this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. Now let me just tell you, let me step. some of you who may have been reading another version may have gotten to verse 2 and said, I didn't see it say anything about God having prepared a rest. I put brackets around that in my version because I realized they added that passage about entering a rest because the, the interpreters here want to get your focus back to where it needs to be to remind you what it is they're talking about. For the good news, what is it? That there, there's been a rest that's been provided for us, has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter this rest. Now, I, I feel like I want to just step back a little bit, and let's talk just a little about rest. When I began going through the Scriptures and spending time with Strong's Concordance, I like to take Strong's Concordance out, and I know a lot of you are familiar with Strong Concordance. It's a great, uh, tested, and well-used tool. Strong's Concordance lists every word that is used in the Bible. And it lists where that word is used, and then it gives us little numerical code beside it that takes you to a, a, another part of the, the Strong's Concordance, and you can look up what that word means. So you can take the Strong's Concordance and sit down with it, and you can find, like the word rest, and you can find a code out beside that. Then you can go down and find every time that that word is used throughout the Bible and what the intended meaning for that word is. Now, there's some variations based on context and things like that, but that's getting way too complicated and technical. But what I'm trying to say is that when I started going through rest in the Bible, let me just tell you, you don't want to be there. There was a lot of scriptures that you were going through. It would be a blessing to you if you took the time to do it, but probably most of us would not want to take the time to go through all that. But the word rest is used in so many different ways. You know, in, you can look in Matthew chapter 11, and, and Jesus says, you know, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You know, take my yoke upon you. What's he talking about right there? He's ta we're familiar with that kind of rest. Have you ever, I, I remember my, when I was a freshman in high school, I went on a, I mean, sorry, freshman in college, <clears throat> I went on a missions trip to the Philippines came back, and my brother-in-law had been kind enough to find a job for me for just a few weeks while I was staying at their house. He found a, lob, a job for me in a lumber yard, stacking wood. And I went to the first day of work, and I was, you know, I'm going to work. I'm excited. I was going to make a little money before I got back to college. I came home at the end of the day. I, I wore a white T-shirt to go to work at the lumber yard. It had a, a picture on the front of it, like space shuttle or something. But uh, I remember coming home at the end of the day, my white T-shirt wasn't white anymore. It was just black on the front. I walked in the house. I'm sure 
that the area that I passed and the place that I landed, that there was a lingering presence of the fact that I'd been there. It had nothing to do with God. It had to do with the fact that I'd worked hard all day. I smelled. And I lay down on that floor, and I just went to sleep. Why? Because I was just completely exhausted. There wasn't any energy. And my dear sister came in. She said, David, it's all right. You don't have to go back there tomorrow. And my brother-in-law said, it's good for him. He needs to go back to work tomorrow. So I did, but I was completely exhausted. And look, I'm not telling any of you something that you can't identify with. Everybody in here has had a day or lives a life where you can just be completely exhausted at the end of the day, right? And Jesus understood that. He said, you know, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. So there is an aspect in the Bible that talks about rest from labor and rest when you're tired and, and rest like that. There's also, uh, uh, when it speaks, the scripture we've been reading about entering into the rest, you'll find in this passage that there is a certain word for rest that's being expressed there. And it talks about entering into rest. But reality is when you go back and look at the scriptures in the Old Testament, um, the, there was a word that was used for rest that wasn't just speaking of physical rest, but it was speaking of a place of rest. God talked about where is a place that, that he could rest. He was looking for, a, a, you know, there was a tabernacle where the Spirit of the Lord would be. It, the, that same terminology was used for the land of Israel, that it was a rest that he had offered to them. Um, that the children, it talks about the children of Israel being able to enter into their rest with regards to having a land where finally, rather than being slaves or being um, uh, aliens in, in a foreign land wandering out for 40 years out in the desert and not really having a place to live, that they could enter into their rest, a place of rest, and be completely at peace. You know, I have in my life stayed in a lot of people's homes, and it's good to have a place to put your head down at night and have a comfortable chair to sit in, but there's nothing like going home, and you can just kick your shoes off, and be at peace. Why? Because it's your place of rest. And I, I just want to challenge you, if yours is not this way, cultivate an atmosphere of rest in your home. You know, uh, among your family members, I, I know that it takes more than one person to make this commitment, but rather than your home being a place of strife or a place of attacking one another or Parents, even with your children as you're raising your teenagers and your children, make sure that home is a place of refuge and rest for them. Uh, Complement what they do well at the same, I mean, not at the same time, but don't just criticize them for what they need to do better. Also compliment them. Their home needs to be a place of rest because there's an aspect of a spiritual principle to that, that we need to understand that there is a place of rest. But I, I want to I go to a whole other dimension, okay? We were talking about, we're talking about um, there being a place of rest, and that is a principle in the Old Testament. But I don't believe that this passage is only dealing with that. I need to read down a little bit further, so let's come back to the Scripture. Verse 3, he said, For only we who believe can enter his rest. As for others, God said, In my anger I took an, an oath, and they will never, they will never enter my rest place of rest. You see that place of rest? Even though the, this rest has been ready 
since he made the world. So there is a place of rest that's available since the beginning of the world. There, there's a, a, another type of rest that I need to, to speak to, and we don't want to miss it, but God has prepared a place of eternal rest for us, the Scripture says. When we are in God's presence forever, we're going to be at a place of rest, rest in peace. Our sister Sylvia, who struggled in the last years with, with her physical body, she is not struggling anymore. She is at rest. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine what it's like to be finally in that place with the Lord. We get, we get uh, some experiences of the presence of the Lord, and we, I relish those moments when we're right there, even with the Lord this morning. But it's just a, a hint of what we're going to experience I mean, when you look at Scripture and you see what it's like to be in the presence of the Lord in the throne room of God and, and the angels and, and all the saints that are there proclaiming the name of the Lord and declaring who He is, oh my goodness, I can't imagine what that's like. But there's a place of rest that one day we'll experience. And we haven't experienced the fullness of that yet. It's something set aside for us. It's a promise to all of us who believe. Verse 4 says... We know it is ready because of the place in the Scriptures where it mentions the seventh day. Now, we're going to get into something here. On the, on the seventh day, God rested from all His work. But in another p- passage says, They will never enter into my rest. Verse 6, So God's rest is there for people to enter, but those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God. So there was a rest available to the people of God, but they didn't enter into it. Why? Because their hearts were stubborn. They disobeyed God. Because they disobeyed God, they were disqualified from entering into that rest. Verse 7 says, So God set another time for entering his rest, and that time is today. God announced through David much later in the words already quoted, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, now in the King James Version, it puts Jesus there. Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua, right? In the New King James Version and every other version that I've been able to read, it uses Joshua. What does your version have? Joshua, Yeshua. Joshua is Yeshua. Now, if... Let's do this. Yeshua had succeeded in giving them his rest. It's actually speaking about when Joshua took the children of Israel into the promised land after the day of Moses. Because the generation that was with Moses failed because of their disobedience to enter into the place of rest, the land of Israel, Joshua had to usher them in. And Joshua was given the commission to go in there. And if you read the accounts of Joshua, and then you read through the other aspects of it, you find that there are some areas to where Joshua is accredited with taking them into rest because they conquered the land. There were people of, of, of Israel who actually were able to possess land. They dispossessed the enemy. They took the land, and they had a place of rest. But you also find that there were areas that they did not complete the work. There were things that were undone. There were people that continued to live among them that were the enemies of Israel. So the rest was not complete. And so when you read, go back and and read about them possessing land, there's some scriptures here that talk about them being able to have rest. Well, some did find rest. But you go back and you read other progressive scriptures throughout, throughout the Bible and you find that it talks about 
that they didn't fully enter into the rest. Why? Because the work wasn't complete. The land was not fully, fully cleared. And so Joshua, as it says right here in verse 8, now Joshua, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them, them rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest that is still to come. And then it says in verse 9, and I love the way it says it here, so there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. Now, in verse 9 in the New Living Translation, it uses the word special rest. It says special rest. I got to digging in Strong's, and I pulled up on the Blue Letter Bible, for those of you who may use that app, and that word that's used special rest is only used one time in the Bible, and right there in that passage. It talks about a special rest, but it ties back to another rest, and that's the rest when God created. And I want you to get a hold of this, folks. When God worked in creation and established day after day of setting things in order according to his plan, he moved through and he created the difference between light and darkness. He separated the waters from the land. He came through and he established the, the stars and things in the heavens by which we could map our seasons and the times and, and, and signs were, were set in place like that. And then he comes back and he brings vegetation up out of the ground and he causes the land to be fruitful and multiply. And then he comes in and he, he creates the creatures that were going to swarm in the air and, and swarm in the oceans. And then he comes back and he starts creating the living things that are going to live on the land and move on the land. And then he, he, he comes and frames his masterpiece. He crafts from the, the earth of the ground man, and he brings Eve alongside him from his side, and he puts mankind to be stewards over that garden. After he had set things in motion, and it says after every day it said, and God said it is good. And when he got to the sixth day and he got finished, it said that God said it is very good. He made a distinction on the sixth day, and he said, it's very good. And it says on verse 7, what did he do? He rested. Now, as a sign to us, God established the Sabbath as a day of rest. I'm just going to tell you, from a physical and a spiritual standpoint, it is important that we have rest. I remember several years ago when I was working in the real estate company over in Garner that we had an employee to be out. And at that time, I was just out on the road checking on properties. And this employee injured himself. And I spent nine weeks, seven days a week, from dark to dark, out on the road. And after nine weeks of doing that, I'm talking, I know y'all working hard. <laughs> Chris, I know you spend a lot of time working, but working like that seven days a week, I'm going to tell you what, after a while, this brain just wasn't clicking on all the cylinders. I started forgetting things and missing things, and I wouldn't do things quite right and have to go back and redo it because it wasn't working right. God knew how our physical beings worked, and it's not just our physical being. It's our soul realm. It's our spiritual realm. We suffer when we don't take care of the vessel that God gave us. 
But there's a whole other dimension of this. See, God resting on the seventh day didn't mean that there weren't important things that needed to be going on. It didn't mean that there was not processes going on in the earth. There were still things moving and going on. But there's a different kind of rest that I believe that this is speaking to. It's speaking to the finished work of what Christ had accomplished on the cross. You see, a lot of us, as, a lot of us believers, the rest that God wants us to enter into is not just a day of physical labor. That's a sign, and that is beneficial to us. But there's a rest that comes in being a part of God's body when we realize that we are not striving anymore to set things in order with regards to our relationship with God. But we come to a place of peace and a rest in understanding it is not us trying to achieve a relationship with God, but we have a relationship with God. We're not on the outside trying to look in and trying to gain something, but we have been blessed with the resources and, and all the fullness of heaven that we are a part of the family. We're not on the outside looking in there's a table for us at that table that's got our name on it. We're supposed to be there. And so our mindset changes that I'm not trying to somehow please God so that he accepts me, but now I'm living for God because he has accepted me, so I just get to become the person God's created me to be instead of trying to be accepted. Because a lot of times, folks, believers who have walked with the Lord for a long time or have known the Lord for a long time are still in a position where they feel unworthy instead of being able to embrace the gift that's been given and resting in that. And I don't know, never mind that, I do know that it's hard to move forward when somebody is constantly trying to redirect. Okay, let me just let me just let me put this in better terms. It's hard for you to be able to walk in peace and be able to do the things that God has called you to do while you've got a sense of unworthiness and you don't really feel that you're accepted. And you're constantly feeling like you're having to measure up so that God can use you instead of just realizing. Where's Allison? Allison's already stepped out. But we're clay vessels, and God's put a divine gift inside of us knowing that we've still got flaws. And he's in the process of walking with us, perfecting us, developing us, maturing us while we're working it out. How many of you love to ride a roller coaster? Okay, let's turn that around. How many of you do not like to ride a roller coaster? Go ahead. Let's Hands, audience participation. Okay, my little Hannah, who's no longer at my house, but she's just down the road. Our Hannah loves roller coasters. Oh, my goodness, she loves roller coasters. And when we were down in Florida, we found out that in Florida, if you, if you at the beginning of the year, as a Florida resident, go and buy a pass to a theme park, you can go all year long. So you only had to buy the passes one time, and then you've got access to the parks for the whole year. That was cheap entertainment for us, folks. You know, what are you going to do? Let's just run down to King's Dominion for a couple of hours. We've got some time. You know, I mean, Bush Garden, sorry. Bush Garden. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I needed to be corrected on something. Um, uh, I made it this far. <laughs> but you could just run down there for a couple of hours and leave and not feel like you had to spend the whole day because it was a free pass for the rest of the year. But nobody in my family enjoyed riding roller coasters except for Hannah. 
I don't enjoy riding roller coasters, okay? But Hannah needed someone to ride with her, so guess who became designated? And I finally learned to enjoy a roller coaster. Because one day we were riding on, I can't remember the name of the roller coaster, but we were riding this roller coaster, and you know, starting out, for me, I know this may not be the way for some of you, but for me, the anxiety level is going up. Oh my goodness, I got to, you know, where am I going to, am I going to be at the front? Am I going to be at the back? Is it going to shake or shimmy? You know, what's it going to be like? And, and what, what my, tr- my, my challenge was that I would get on there and I would be so tensed up and, and stressed about the roller coaster that I forgot I was supposed to be enjoying it. And, and one time I was on that roller coaster and it was just flying around and everything. And I just, I thought, this is ridiculous. I don't enjoy this. And then the thought came to my mind. I, I had, I mean, I think I was imprinting my fingernails and my hands into that. I was doing my best to steer from my chair. And, I, and the thought just came to me, and I believe it was a thought from God. Everybody else on this roller coaster is having a good time but you. But the problem is you're trying to drive from your seat. There's already a path that's been laid out here. It's already been set in motion. Just go with the flow, and you will end up at your desired dedica- des- I mean, designation. Thank you. But you've got to learn to relax and just go with it. Stop trying to drive. What was I afraid of? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Plunging to your death. Okay, in a spiritual realm, <laughs> that was great, Denise, but in the spiritual realm, folks, what are we afraid of? And God's laid out a course in front of us, and he's already done the work and set the things in motion. His safety bar is a lot better than the ones at, at Bush Gardens, but he sets things in motion for us, and if we will just learn to yield ourselves to his process, he'll carry us. He'll go with us if he sits us Put the, open the door in front of us for us to go through. Why worry about what's going to happen on the other side? God doesn't inter- intend evil for us. It doesn't mean that some of the things that we go through aren't difficult and they aren't testing us and trying us. But why are we trying to dictate to God how things should be turning out and trying to persuade God to do good towards us when He's already expressed that that's His di- desire for us? Why are we trying to put a lid on what He's opening up? Have you ever driven down the road with somebody? You'd be the driver and you've got somebody in the back seat trying to tell you how to get there. Please don't point any fingers anywhere. (laughs) We probably all had that experience to some degree or the other. But after a while, you just kind of want to say, just let me drive. Let me drive. Or the other option, would you like to take over? Oh, okay. That's a little bit more universal. Um, it's sometimes, it's, I, I'm normally the driver. It's hard for me to sit in the, in the passenger seat when I'm going somewhere because I've got a mind of how to do it. But you know, every once in a while, Cecile needs to give me some instructions on, on things because I really do miss it sometimes. My brain's clicking on something and there's a red light or something like that and she needs to let me know. But, but folks, the problem is that we try to do that with Jesus. Jesus has got control of this this process and this kingdom that he's established. I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But we want to somehow 
hold on and tell him how it's supposed to be happening. And Jesus, did you forget that detail? And, you know, what about me, Lord? Did you forget about me? Believe me, he's got you in the palm of his hand. What if we can just learn to rest? It's okay to talk to Jesus about things, but don't be stressed about it. God, just open up the channel of communication with him and let him remind him about it. Believe me, he can bring peace into your heart and peace into your life and entering into a rest in who we are in the Lord. And so we just live out of rest instead of trying to strive for it. We just need to take a breath in the spirit realm. There's some things that have shifted in my walk with the Lord, and I want every one of us to walk there. There's some of you that are already walking there, but I want every one of us to walk there. And it has to do with just being at peace. There is so much rest in my relationship with the Lord. I, I, I don't feel like I'm striving to try to attain something. The, the, it, it's, it's not trying to be accepted of the Lord. My passion now is to do everything I can do because I'm accepted of the Lord. And that's a whole other level of anointing. It's a whole other experience. I just want to press in and accomplish what I can for Him. Because I'm so full of gratitude, not trying to be accepted anymore. Can I make it plural and just say, we are accepted. So let's just live out of it. There's a, there's a special rest that's available for the people of God. So enter into that rest, we're told. Enter into that rest. Step into it. I don't know where you are. I, I don't know what your experience. I don't know what it is that when you come to the Lord on a Sunday morning or during the week and, and things seem like they feel like they're unraveled and things like that. Does the enemy all of a sudden jump into your head and, and attack you and say, <coughs> and say, see, you're really not good enough. Now, look at what you did. God's angry with you. God's going to get even with you. God's going to come after you. Folks, we're beyond that. If you're a child of God, there is a rest available to the people of God. From that place of rest, we can walk in a place of power. Because, again, we're not somehow people of earth trying to reach up to heaven to see if we can get God's attention. Maybe he will find me this time. Maybe God will hear my prayer this time. We are not people of earth just trying to appeal and get God's attention. We are people connected with heaven that are here to reach out into the earth. Yeah. We should be able to look around and I, I live with expectancy every day to see who it is I'm going to come in contact with. Who am I going to have a conversation with? God, what do you want to do in this, this situation? And y'all forgive me. I'm so lighthearted and like to have a good time and joke around with people that sometimes I might just miss it. You may have a deeper need and I'm cutting up. Just, pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm, so, I'm okay if you do that. Just let me know what you're going through and we can pray. Believe me, I'll pray with you. But we are agents of heaven. We're special agents that God's put in the earth to establish his kingdom. His power and his anointing are available to us. The blood of Jesus is there to demolish every stronghold. We've got to walk in relationship to him. Where are we? 
You know, I've touched on it. I can't help it, but I, I love that passage. Don't go there, David. Don't go there. Well, I want to go there next week and spend some time with that. But there's a river of life that's available to us. God wants us rooted and planted there. God wants us to draw our life from that and to then be able to be fruitful so that the people around us are able to be blessed. Rest. This week, had an unusual thing happen. I, I noticed about myself that uh, I was like I'd taken an ill pill. You did? All right. I just was short-fused. And that's very uncharacteristic for me. I'm normally very easy to get along with, but I found that I just was not very tolerant of folks. And I had a tendency to just, if I didn't snap externally, I snapped internally. You know, I just had a tendency to be ill. And, and uh, I was sitting there thinking about that. And, and uh, we had staff meeting, Carla and I, and she, Carla shared something with me that she was dealing with. And it just kind of boiled up inside of me. I said, we don't have to have this. We don't have to have this. And I realized it was a time to go to the chiropractor spiritually and get a realignment you know sometimes when you get a kink and you just can't it doesn't work i mean you you're limited you can't catch your breath pain is there you you can't do the things you'd like to be able to do because that pain keeps taking jabbing you and you got to get things straightened out and that straightening out folks this is powerful it is simple but it's powerful and so I trust that we can make this a part of our life. And I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because the Lord brought it back to me this morning. But I sat there, and, and, and Carla and I prayed in the office, and, and I just said, Jesus, we just want to reestablish something. Jesus, you are Lord over my life. You're Lord over Carla's life. You are Lord over this ministry and the people that are here. God, we invite you to come in and set things back in order the way they need to be. Now, I needed a spiritual realignment to get that thing shifted into place so I was not an irritable something. I can't think of what the something is, but I didn't want to be irritable. I didn't need to be short-fused with people. I needed to love people. But that little attitude had snuck in there and taken root. And like, you know, that thing, once it takes root, it's like kudzu or a briar it just wants to grow up and bring pain to anyone that comes around and you try to pull on it and as long as the roots there it's still there but i needed to come back to the basis of saying jesus you're lord of my life you've got the right to rearrange anything that's a part of my life i don't want to just be living in mediocrity spiritually i want to be fruitful and as long as there's a root there that's limiting what god can do or it's abrasive to people that i'm coming in contact with I can't be fruitful. I'm not being a good representative. You know, I've seen good trees that have briars growing all over them, and I'm not going to get close to them. Well, if God's put fruit on us and God wants to produce fruit for us, what good is it if people can't get close enough to us because we hurt whenever we get around them or we hurt them? God wants us to walk in fruitfulness. So, folks, let me challenge you. If, if you're dealing with some stuff... And you realize something's not working, the, the, the connection's not, it's sparking every once in a while, but it doesn't feel like it's really 
connected, come back to that basis and say, Lord Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I, I'm, I make you Lord. I dedicate myself to you right now. Anything that's out of place, God, would you remove it? Would you rearrange my life so that it's, it's in, it's, I'm living in such a way that I'm bringing honor to you? And I'm, I'm reflecting on the rest again. It's not about living in such a way so that God will love us, but because He loves us, that our lives are rearranged. It's, it's living out of a different paradigm. He, we do have rest in the Lord, and therefore we're able to walk in the power because of it, the anointing because of it, because He's using us to be able to accomplish His purposes in the earth. But we need to press into the rest. If you don't have rest, find it. Go after it. Search after it. There's something special available to us. It's uncommon to mankind. And when they come in contact with us, they need to, to, to recognize that and realize that. It's interesting when you look at this passage. I'm going back to verse 9. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. You know, it's available, but it says it's still waiting. That, that means that not everybody is walking there. I know a lot of Christians that are living out their lives. Um, um, if I could go... One day, I'm going to have the opportunity to go to Korea to go minister for the Lord. The, the Korean church has been a model for prayer and intercession for years. Prayer Mountain, David Young Cho... And, and not, just, not just Prayer Mountain, but it is a part of their culture over there to be intercessors in prayer. And they will dedicate themselves to ministry as well. There's something that's a challenge for them too, okay, folks? It's okay. I'm, this is not critical, okay? But if we were to talk about the Church of Jesus Christ in America, we've got strengths and weaknesses. If you talk about individuals in the faith, we've got gifts, but we also have challenges. Everybody's that way. If you look at the, the church in Revelation, there were certain things that were good about the Ephesian church, and there were things that they were struggling with. It's characteristics of the body of Christ. We're all in process, okay? But one thing that the, the Korean church is challenged by, which the Lord has, has stirred me with for years, is the fact that they will pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. But what, they, they challenge, what, are, what the area that they are challenged with is the assurance of who they are in the Lord. I mean, they will pray and pursue in intercession, but they, they don't have a rest in who they are in the Lord. They are continually pursuing to try to get God to do something, but they don't have a rest. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see if God brings that out one day. Um, I know that God's, if I have the opportunity to go there, I know that God's going to use some of that, but I know God's moving in them in his own way already. So God's got many voices that can speak into that. Verse 10 says here, but there's something that's still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let me define this. God rested on the seventh day, not that there was not anything else for God to do, but that aspect of the creation was done. We rest from trying to achieve what Jesus has already done for us, we're just able to start now resting and then walking in what he's accomplished. I'm not trying to be accepted. I have been accepted. 
Now, how does that transform the way I live? What changes about the way I live? I enter into a rest. My labor is not trying to appease God, but it's out of gratitude now. So here comes thanksgiving. It's out of thankfulness that we devote ourselves to the Lord, that we give ourselves to the opportunities that we have to minister to people, that we love our families in a different kind of way. We shouldn't be trying to love in order to earn the love of our family. If you are trying to give gifts to your children to earn their love for you, they're going to run you like a slave. They will always want something more, something more expensive. There will never be enough. All those Christmas gifts laid out under the tree, they're going to turn around and say, but I wanted it something like this, and I wanted it a different color. They will run you ragged. But if you give gifts because you already love them, you're not trying to earn their love, you'll be able to balance that attitude when it comes back at you. You know, you're going to discipline when things need to be disciplined because your love is more than just your gifts. And with, with regards to living for the Lord here, we are living out of the experience that we've had with the Lord. So we, we continue to pursue, but our pursuit is because of what He's already done. So we have a loving, giving relationship to the Lord and able to live out of thankfulness. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. It's not a striving, but it's changing our mindset as to who we are in Him. Our entering into our rest is knowing who we are and living accordingly. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, He said, we will fall. We can't live in disobedience. We've got to commit ourselves to what He's done. It's very interesting to me that the very next scripture here is something that seems out of context, but it really is in context. We lift this passage out and use it, but it's here in the passage about rest. For the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit and between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. And it comes back in the next part and talks about how, what a great high priest we have. Look, folks, if we think that anything of our life is hidden to God, if we think we've got secrets in the closet that God doesn't know about, He knows it all. He knows everything. So rather than trying to polish our outer self and try to make ourselves look like something we aren't, why don't we just... Let it all be before the Lord and understand, okay, it's not because we've got one part polished that God thinks he loves us. God loves you, knowing everything about you. And we've got a great high priest who's standing before the Lord pleading our case. He understands our flaws. He understands our failures. Jesus made provision to be able to carry us deeper. He who began a good work in us will be faithful, completed. So it's not about us relaxing and just saying, well, God's got it, taken care of it. No, it's not. There's still a pursuit on our behalf. But it's not a pursuit to try to gain His favor. It's a pursuit inside of His favor. That we wanted to grow deeper. We wanted to be transformed. God, don't just leave me where I am. Please change my heart. Perfect me. Work in me. Remove from me from things that shouldn't be there. So it's a pursuit from inside of his favor, from inside of the perfect work, a place of rest in the Lord, but a passion to grow and to do more and to be more for him because of all that he's done for us. We're operating out of a spirit of gratitude 
and giving ourselves to the Lord. While spiritually we're at rest because we know his work is finished. That creation part, that's done. We've come to the creation. We've already been birthed and that part is over. But now it's a perfecting and a growing up into who he's created us to be. And we can rest in that. I'm already accepted. Audrey, you're already accepted. Freddie, you're already accepted. I wish I had time to go around everybody else and just say, you're accepted. You're accepted. Why don't you just say it to yourself? I'm accepted. He's accepted me. God, work with me to perfect me in such a way that your glory can be seen in my life. A miracle just happened. We're getting ready to pray. Look at that. Wow. It's a 10-minute miracle. Okay, let's just still our hearts right now before the Lord. Just stay seated. Just relax. I don't know where you have walked in your spirit life, if there's been a striving or a straining or a sense of unworthiness, but would you just take a, brief, a deep breath and just let it go? Do it physically, but do it spiritually. Just release it. Now, if you're outside of a relationship with God, you need to get inside a relationship with God. You need to know Him. You need to walk with Him. If you have been walking with the Lord for some time and you're still striving to be accepted by the Lord, if you still feel deficient in that area, today just take a fresh breath. To let that be the first day of you walking in in acceptance with the Lord and knowing that God has already embraced you. You're already included. You're already inside. So enter into rest. Now, that breath is not there to make you acceptable to the Lord, but to give you strength so that you can live the life that you've been created for. You are in Him. So, Father, we're your people today. Look no further. Scripture says you look to and fro in the King James throughout the whole earth. You're looking all over the earth, dear God, trying to find some people that you can get some things done through. God, there are so many different kinds of gifts that are in this place, dear God. There's mercy gifts, dear God. There's evangelistic gifts. There's healing gifts, dear God. There's people that are encouragers and people that have gifts of prophecy, dear Lord, and people that have words of knowledge and words of wisdom, dear God. There's all kinds of manifestations of that. There's teaching gifts, dear God, and apostolic gifts and, and pastoral gifts, dear God. There, th this, the body is well-equipped with gifts. But God, the enemy's done his best to try to keep a lid on us and make us feel unworthy. And today you're taking the lid off and just saying, be free. Walk in the light that you've been given. Be the people I've called you to be and rest. So God, would you just come quietly alongside us by the Holy Spirit and would you breathe on us afresh and bring life to what you've put inside of us already. And God, help us to become the people that you've called us to be and live out of a rest and not a striving or stress. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. God, we can rest under the good shepherd. And Lord, we give you the praise and the glory for it. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in this earth as it is in heaven. And Lord, we'll give you 
Praise and glory for it. As we gather together with our families this week and friends, and dear Lord, different ones are meeting in different kind of ways. Lord, I pray that there won't be anybody in this place that won't have someone to be with. But God, I pray that you would cause that day to be a day of thanksgiving to you where we will share with one another the good things that God has done. And Lord, may your blessing be upon our gathering. And Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.